How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we are back with another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got my good friend, Bedros Koulian, on the show. Bedros is a best-selling author of the No BS self-development book, Man Up, a speaker and a business consultant. He's the founder of the Fit Body Bootcamp, one of the nation's fastest-going franchises, an investor in an over a dozen other companies. He's featured in Inc., New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Spike, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, and is rumored to have a net worth of over $200 million. Now, I didn't ask him that because he's larger than I am, but he's definitely worth it. In this episode, we're going to dig into how he had a panic attack that almost killed him, how he got through the hardest 72 hours of his life, his thoughts on COVID, the economy, and other topics like spirituality, and the biggest secret to his success over the last 15 years. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. Every week, my team goes through the reviews, and every five-star review we get, we plant a tree to restore the rainforest of Madagascar and provide a child in India one year of e-learning. So give us a review, and you're giving back too. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of Shit You Don't Learn in College here on another great episode. And today, we've got my good friend and mentor, Bedros Koulian. Bedros, welcome to the show. Xander, thank you, man. Dude. Congratulations uh, on th the show. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you, by the way. Long overdue. I told you about this, you know, three, yeah. four years ago or whatever, yeah. when it was, yeah. you know, still a dream in my mind, but really grateful to have yeah. you on the show today. By the way, to that point, let me tell you what I love about you. Yeah. You just methodically execute on the things you need to execute until you get to the next thing that you need to execute. Yeah. That singularity of focus is why you're so good at what you do. I had, I had a good mentor to help me learn how to do that, by the way. But, uh... Dude, I'm really excited to dig yeah. in. There's a lot of stuff that I think you can bring our audience, but just for the people who don't know B, like I know B, would you mind giving maybe a, a three-minute sure. overview of your story, how you got to where you are today? Because sure. you're you're a great leader, you're a great family man, you're a good friend, you're you're what a lot of people want to be when they you know, consider themselves successful. So I'd love for people to hear that story a little bit. Well, well, I appreciate that. Like everyone else, I'm trying to find my path in life. But I'm an immigrant to this country. So I come from a, a communist country, the Soviet Union, Armenia. I was six years old when we escaped and came to the United States. And I didn't speak English. We didn't understand the culture. We were poor. We were broke. Those are two very different things. And uh, lived in Section 8 housing. So growing up, you could imagine getting bullied, beat up, 
eating out of dumpsters, all this stuff. But as you grow up... Right and, now, looking at you, I can't imagine you being bullied or beat up because that, right. you scare the shit yeah. out of me. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I'm much bigger and stronger now. <laughs> Still a big pushover. But um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but back then, obviously, when you're the foreigner kid with the funny little haircut that your mom gave you and the funny little clothes, etc. But all that adversity turned out to be an advantage because it taught me resiliency and resourcefulness, yeah. which ended up catapulting me in life where... I, I somehow was bit by the fitness bug. In high school, uh, towards the end of high school, I wanted to make sure that I was gonna go to prom. But I was a fat kid, I had no friends. There was only one dude who was like a popular guy who was friendly with me. Yeah. And that's because he was my science lab partner in science class. And uh, his name is Dave. I said, hey Dave, he played football for the high school football team. I said, Dave, I need to lose weight, I need to get fit next year, there's the prom. And I yeah. wanna ask Nakaya to the prom. And he's like, dude, I'll take you to the school gym. So he took me to the school gym, very intimidating. Um, he showed me how to work out, told me what to eat. That summer, I work out like a madman, eat as clean as I could, which wasn't that clean, just being young, you have a yeah. higher metabolism. I come back 35 pounds lighter for senior year. I never had the confidence to ask Nakaya to the prom, so I never did make it to the prom. Yeah. But I was forever changed by losing the fat, not yeah. just physical appearance. I'm talking like confidence, self-esteem, self-image. You know, I always say like physical transformation is a gateway drug. It is. Right? It's a gateway to so many other things. But it you, is. you got that as a senior in high school. And I got it early enough <clears throat> in life where I was like, I want to help more people do this. And yeah. so when I got out of high school, I became a personal trainer. I mean, I, I went to college for like a whopping 32 days and then I dropped out of Fullerton Junior College. We'll need to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> but you fast forward another 10 years from there and I had multiple side jobs while I was a personal trainer and then ultimately got fortunate enough to get a mentor. And my mentor, who was a personal training client of mine, really saw something in me that I hadn't seen yet. And this gave me the confidence. So sometimes when you don't have the confidence, it's okay to ride, to ride the coattail of someone who has confidence in you. You have to like borrow that belief uh -huh. from somebody else sometimes. That's exactly yeah. what I did. And that ended up uh, leading me to my first gym, uh, my pers personal training studio, and then another, and another, and another. I ultimately sold those. And um, fast forward another decade, now I'm in my mid-30s, early 30s, and I launched Fit Body Bootcamp, the international fitness franchise that we are. And on the heels of that, Trulene Supplements, which just became this eight-figure empire in two years um, and growing and, you know, personal development coaching for men. and uh, Because you don't have enough to do already. Yeah, you, well, yeah. I've got a great team of like about 40 team members who <laughs> really help carry the weight. Yeah. I just happen to be the front man of yeah. it and the idea guy. I'm the visionary. They're the executioners. And they deserve all the credit. But four big companies that do really well, and I'm just really blessed. Yeah. yeah. So t I want to talk about that for a second because I think you are you are one of the leaders that I truly respect. You know, I, I meet a lot of different people that are leaders of organizations, great coaches, mentors, speakers, but you're one of the leaders that I truly respect what you do because you're just, you, you live what you preach, right? And you can see that in your team. You can see that in the organizations that you build. Was, you know, the leader you are today... Was there, was there like just something you drank in the water growing up? Was it, you know, I always hear the story of gasoline to get rid of the lice yeah, on your yeah, head. Yeah, like yeah. where Maybe did this, it was the gasoline. Like yeah. how did you get to that point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for your audience, just to close the loop, I truly did. <laughs> I was 10 years old. We were living at the Shade Tree Apartments, another Section 8 housing in Santa Ana, California, gang ridden at the time. We couldn't afford lice treatment. I had gotten lice. My mom had my dad siphon out gasoline from a parked car, washed my hair with gasoline to kill the lice. Um, so there you have it. 
if you don't have lash treatment, use gasoline. Do not do that. Um, <laughs> it just so happened that it worked for me. So, conf uh, listen, I didn't have confidence or leadership skills. Both of those things were developed in me in later on. The leadership was a byproduct of me realizing that if I didn't become a decent and effective leader, which yeah. means someone who's emotionally <clears throat> disciplined, who can communicate, who can have a vision for his company, and then who can recruit a high-performing team, those four things, then uh, Fit Body Bootcamp is gonna pretty much crash and burn. Because I launched Fit Body Bootcamp on the heels of the 2008 housing market crash. Yeah. By 2010, I had our first location. By 2012, we were franchised. And I'm like, hey, I know how to market so I can grow this. Well, being a marketer is one thing. Very, being a leader of humans. Very different. Whew, bro. Right, so I had a panic attack so big in 2012, 2013, uh, end of 2012, 2013, I thought it was a heart attack, Xander. And so, you know, I tell my wife the next morning, I'm like, hey, I think I dodged a, a heart attack yesterday. She goes, what? I go, yeah, like, you know, just this thing happened to me. I describe it to her. So we go to the doctor, doctor's like, dude, your heart's fine, but it sounds like you had a panic attack. Yeah. And since I had never had one, I didn't know what to what, a, what one would feel. How, how old were you at this point? I was 38. Yeah. I was 38. And so that led to him putting me on Xanax. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, two weeks on Xanax, I lost all creativity. I'm not going to be able to That's think That's not going to go well for a, no. a CEO of a company. Right. So I'm like, hey, doc, what do I do if Xanax doesn't work for me? He goes, well, you're going to have to use go to talk therapy and learn how to deal with your stress and anxiety and all this stuff. So reluctantly, I went to a therapist. Here's where things get really good. The therapist helped me deal with my stress and anxieties, which were... Anxiety is anticipation of future pain. Mm -hmm. Okay, check, he taught me that. Action alleviates anxiety. Oh, what do you know? Actually take action on the things that stress you out and then have the conversations that you need to have instead of pushing it under the rug. Um, and then of course, HALT. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, HALT. It's an acronym. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, uh, you're probably going to have another panic attack, anxiety attack, just like the alcoholic is going to go back to the bottle if they're yeah. hungry, angry, lonely, tired. The drug addict will go back to the drug. Porn addict will go back to porn. And they start going through the emotional yes. decision, the emotional reaction mm -hmm. to it. So yeah. manage your halt: hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And as I took away those three tools, my anxieties all went away. My, yeah. my panic attacks went away. I still knew I was left with a team that if I wanted to grow this thing into an international fitness franchise and have hundreds of locations worldwide like we do, I've got to be able to manage humans and, and be able to help them grow and yeah. be able to communicate with them, share my vision with them. And I was a bad communicator, man. When you grow up in a communist household, you get backhanded when yeah. you when you're trying to open your mouth and speak and have so an opinion. So none, none of this was stuff that you learned at home and you clearly didn't learn it in your 32 days at Fullerton. No, nothing was factory installed. <laughs> the good news is, and I'm an example of it, is that you can develop it. It's yeah. a muscle that you develop. Yeah. Now, it's frustrating to develop it. It sucks, it's painful. It's, it's everything that success, you, you know, paints, right? You look at someone who's successful and then you look at this, their story and you're like, oh my God, you, the road that you have to travel had potholes and dead squirrels and detours and, but you did it, you know, and developing your leadership muscle is that. Yeah. Uh, but if you're willing to do it, man, it's well, magical. I've never, I've never heard of a successful entrepreneur or professional athlete or whatever it might be that's just like, yeah, it was actually not that difficult. Like it was actually right. pretty easy. Right. You've right. never heard that before. No, 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 not, not a one. Um, 
I don't think that person exists. Sometimes people <laughs> look like an overnight success because yeah. we didn't know of them when they were putting in the long hours. Yeah. Whether it's sports or business or anything. Yeah. Um, but I have yet to meet someone who's been an overnight success. And I've been on this planet now 46 years and I'm pretty well connected. Yeah. And you know, one of the stories that always comes to me when I think about that, right, is like in the US, everybody remembers like, well, not everybody, but like if you've ever like watched the success of the Beatles, it's like when they came to the US, all of a sudden it was just this big boom, right? But most people don't know they spent like seven or eight years right. touring right. like Europe and Eastern Europe, like playing nightclubs together over and over, getting better and better before any of that actually happened. Yeah. And those right? sets and reps are mandatory. Like you need yeah. that. Whether you're going to be a stage speaker, you're going to be a podcaster, you're going to be a coach, an entrepreneur, you need those sets and reps to develop the competency and the confidence that take time. There, there, there's no way around that. There's no magic pill. There's no steroid for that. Hell, yeah. you can develop muscles with steroids. You can't develop communication, <laughs> leadership, competency without just doing the sets and reps. I can see like any of the marketers out there listening to this and being like, oh, but if I could develop that steroid, oh, I take like, it. I could sell the hell out of that, right? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is amazing. I love that. Um, so let's talk about 2020. Yeah. Oof. Easy year, right? Simple, Easy. simple year for you. Yeah. So you run one of the fastest growing franchises, not just fitness franchise, but yeah. one, of, one of the fastest growing franchises mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the world and in America. And 2020 comes around and says, screw you, yeah. pretty much. That's, that's like, exactly tell me, tell me, tell me 2021, what it was like, what you guys had to endure and, and how you made it through. Yeah, so here's the crazy thing, man. Just <clears throat> for context for your audience, Fit Body Bootcamp becomes a franchise in 2012. I start working on my leadership skills after that panic attack, anxiety attack, and it takes me like two or three years to become a decent leader. <laughs> yeah. By mid-2015, we hit the Inc. 5000 list, Inc., and then next year, Inc. 500 list, Inc. 500 list again. Then we hit Entrepreneur Magazine's um, 500 fastest growing franchises. Uh, we were 142 and then 122 the year after. Out of 175,000 franchises. Yeah. And right? these are all like consecutive years. Yes. So this isn't like a yeah. one and done. Like you yeah. keep doing like we're it. We're just hitting yeah. them. We're hockey sticking. Everyone just wants to know what 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 Bedros has put into Fitbody and the people that he works he with. He found the steroid. He found the steroid. And yeah. what they didn't see was all the years of hard work, right? Yeah. Again, going back to what we talked about. But everybody wanted to invest in Fitbody Bootcamp. They wanted to invest in me. What is the next company you want to start up? Because you're just a winning horse. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, March 16th, 2020 comes around. Yeah. And I'm announcing on a Facebook Live to all of our Fit Body Bootcamp franchise owners worldwide that guys, we have a social obligation and duty to flatten the curve. So let's shut down our locations for the next two to four weeks or so. Yeah. And do what's right. Because what yeah. we knew about the coronavirus then was that it's a deadly thing, it's killing people. Yeah. Right. And so I made that announcement, and literally within 72 hours, uh, well, I told them, I made that announcement, signed off, and I said, guys, I'll be back in two to three days to tell you guys how we're going to pivot into online coaching. And so we made the pivot in 72 hours. Thank God for an awesome team that we have, from the video guys to, to the graphic people to our franchise owners who are filming workouts. We went to online coaching within 72 hours. Uh, but as you know, it didn't last two or four weeks. Yeah. It lasted 10 months plus, and depending on some states, California here, we're still at 25% capacity for gyms. Yep. 
You can't pay your mortgage and your lease and your employee payroll on 25% of your income. You can't, right? And so in that process, man, we lost nearly 300 franchise locations. Wow. Now imagine this, the year before and the years before, people are like, Bedros, I want what you're drinking. I want to be part of your team. I want to be a part of Fit Body Bootcamp. And then in 2020, friends were texting me like, are you still alive? Have you jumped off a bridge yet? Have you eaten a bullet yet? Yeah. Like, Nobody wanted to be the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp in 2020. Yep. And I was like, damn. Like, I wrote a book called Man Up, which was my journey into becoming a decent, not a great, a decent leader. I'm like, here's your time to use those six principles of to, entrepreneurial leadership. To really dig in and live it. Man, yeah. if that wasn't a test of my leadership, I don't know what was. Uh, I, I swear to you, Xander, my beard got <clears throat> more gray. I did take on a drinking habit. It didn't become alcoholism. It just was a habit. People were like, oh my God. Uh, I went back to taking NyQuil and Vicodin to fall asleep at night. Like it was pretty trying times yeah. because when near, nearly half of your locations are shutting down permanently, they're like, look, we could only stay in the fight for so long. Yeah. The PPP program hasn't come. Our state doesn't let us do this. People are, we're getting fined. It's a lot 5, of people's 000. livelihood. That, Bro. Yeah. Like it all falls back to yeah. you, it feels like. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, look, I can't control what happens in Michigan and New Jersey and New York, let alone Canada. Uh, we have franchise locations everywhere. <clears throat> and so you're just like, your brain will not let you rest. It won't let you sleep. You feel responsible for your franchisees. They've signed leases. They have payrolls. They have, they're paying you franchise fees. They have families that they're they trying to feed. They have families that they have there's to feed. hundreds of people that they're trying to keep healthy. That what, Just when you think you've got leadership down, as in leading employees and a team and a brand, you're having to now lead emotions yeah. of people and you're trying to figure out like, how do I out, outwit the government? Uh, how do we, so it's like, <laughs> all right guys, put butcher paper up, don't advertise outside, just keep your, ask for referrals. Like we were literally like, yeah. it was like prohibition You're days. fighting for your life at this yeah. point, really. But alcohol yeah. was replaced with fitness. It was yeah. prohibition, but alcohol was replaced with fitness. How, how retarded is that, Yeah. right? But anyway, so there we are and we made it through, thankfully. Um, and December of, here, here, here's a funny stat for you. We were selling an average of six new franchise locations per month yeah. as we were scaling for all those years. That's a pretty high yeah. rate of sales in the franchise world. In all of March, or in all of 2020, we sold seven locations. Yeah. I was blown away when seven people wanted to buy a during, franchise during, during the that. pandemic, yeah. right? And then interestingly <clears throat> enough, January 3rd, we sold of 2021, we sold a location, and then January 17th, another one, and then January 23rd, another one. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. And then things just started to trickle, and we're back on our pace again as of this month. Uh, we're in a a May, uh, so as of April, we were on pace again. But dude, yeah, that was a year from hell, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Let me let me ask you this: Do you believe? Because this this is always something that I find fascinating when I when I hear about stories like that. Do you believe that that going through that will make you a better leader, will make you a better entrepreneur moving forward? Or do you feel that it was just like an unnecessary kick to the balls almost? Well, well I still contest that it was an unnecessary kick yeah. to my balls, Yeah. right? I do, I'm old enough to realize that it has made me a better leader, a better, even, even a better communicator. Uh, and as I look even back- Even if just the more gray hairs makes you more wise? Yeah, make, yeah you're more believable. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, and I can look fast, I can fast forward two or three years down the line and I could tell that I'm gonna look back and go, this made me a better leader. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man, 
we got the PPP program, and when we ran out, I've got rental properties, and I sold them yeah. to keep our business afloat. I didn't have to sell a single uh, uh, percentage of equity from Fit Body Bootcamp to venture capitalists. By the way, you want to know who comes to you? Venture capitalists come to you, yep. and they go, hey, um, we will give you $9 million for X percentage, and it was like 60% of your franchise. It was yep. like insulting <clears throat> numbers, right? Because they know you need money. Yep. So what I did is I emptied out bank accounts. I em you know, took advantage of the PPP programs and the SBA loans, and then I sold two rental properties that I have. And if I had to sell every single building that I own, I would have. Yeah. And it wasn't an issue of money. We certainly were able to tap into money and resources that we have, but it just broke my heart that it was unnecessary that it was unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a kick in the balls. Uh, tell, yes, tell me about I did that. Why do you, why do you feel it was unnecessary? Because as you look at the facts, and and people don't need to believe me, because who am I? I'm just some 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 just airy, handsome, beautiful man <laughs> that, that 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 knows about business and nothing more. But if you follow Sean Stevenson and you watch his 58 minute uh, mask documentary. The, the, the fact after fact after fact. This man is a science scientific researcher who literally proves that masks are unnecessary, shows World Health Organization and CDC information that yeah. masks are unnecessary and they don't work. The survival, you have a built-in mask, it's called your immune system. And, and so when you look at all, all the facts that have come out, uh, two graduates from the project, which is a thing that I run, are firefighter paramedics. Yeah. One in Florida, one in New Mexico. Both of them reach out to me during this pandemic period. They're like, hey, we took a dead body to a hospital, because that's what we do with dead bodies. And uh, one died, literally, they walked in, the person had a needle, like a heroin overdose. And one died of a car crash. And both hospitals wrote those people's cause of death as COVID. Yeah. Because when you're incentivized, yep. when you're incentivized financially to do that, than you do. And there's and a lot so, of data out about that. Yeah. yeah, and then the stats come out that, hey, you know, look at all these people that are dying of COVID. The homeboy died of a drug overdose, dose, and this guy died of not wearing a seatbelt and crashing, right? But, and, and, and so when these guys are reaching out to me, like they were there, they are reaching out to me, and they, they both asked the, the admitting, admitting nurse, like, why is this happening? She was, the doctor says, and he's the one in charge right now for the shift, and I just write. Yeah. Uh, but I share that to you because that's why it's unnecessary. And then when you look at the lame, attempt that the government made to fund small business owners, all while beefing up, uh, sending money to Costa Rica and third world countries, et cetera. We needed the fucking money, not, when I say we, not even me, like my small business owners, my franchisees, the dude that owns a taco shop, the dude that owns a little yeah. dog grooming business, like those people needed the fucking money and this entire country and the entire system let them down. And I can't believe that we're now still being hornswoggled into wearing masks and taking a bullshit shot that still does not do anything more than what your immune system would do. And they did a great job of brainwashing society and making you think that we'll do it for everyone else, Xander. Don't be selfish. Do yep. it for them. Yeah. So that's why it's unnecessary. I like that. Thank you for sharing that with You're everybody. Welcome. You heard it from Bedros. Um, Send now, the hate mails now, to me, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, obviously, I'm sure we could talk about COVID and everything going on and how it's affected businesses no. for forever. Um, but I want to talk a little bit deeper on some of the other things that you're doing outside of Fit Body Boot Camp. Because yeah. these are the things that are really fascinating to me. Now, you started doing the project 
two years ago? Two years two ago. Years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Um, so you started doing the project two years ago. It's a basically a 75-hour, I don't know, beat you up session. Mental, emotional. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but it's a grueling test of your it is. Uh, it is. mental strength, your capabilities as a human. And it's really meant to push you financially, uh, mentally, emotionally everything yeah, yeah right so tell me about the project a little so, bit. so the, the really the reason I started the project is because I realized once I went to that therapist and worked with him what I didn't tell you was yeah he taught me halt hungry angry lonely tired he taught me that anxiety is anticipation of future pain he taught me that action alleviates anxiety check he taught me all that in four sessions and on the fourth sessions and I'm like hey Kevin see you later his name is Kevin yeah the therapist name he goes, as I, he stops me at the door of his office. He goes, Vedras, before you leave, since this is your final session, is there anything else in your life that's troubling you that I can help with? And I look at him, I'm like, nope. And I turn to leave and he goes, anything, like maybe family, like parents or something. I'm like, look, man, I come from a communist country. My dad slapped me around when I was a kid, but my mom would throw her body in between me and my dad. And that's how it is when you come from a communist country. Plus what happened to me in Armenia before, you know, was even worse than my dad slapping me around and beating me. Yeah. And he's like, something worse than your dad beating you happened to you? And I started crying, yeah. right? And what had happened to me was I was molested by two older boys between the ages of four and six on a consistent basis in Armenia. I kept that with me for years. In four freaking sessions, this goofball therapist, Kevin, who I love to pieces, won me over and got me to confess something that I've never yeah. shared with anyone, right? Yeah. Now I'm falling and apart. And got you, got you bawling. Yeah. Bawling, <clears throat> bawling. And now I'm like, Kevin, I don't want to talk about this. I'm fine. It's, this is all good. He's like, no, obviously it's not. Like, why don't you have a yeah. seat? Like, gather yourself, right? So we get to talking and... I spent the next 16 months, every Monday, going back to Kevin. Yeah. And we worked through the shame, the rage, and the confusion that I carried with me for 32 years. Yeah. Three decades. It affected my marriage. It affected my business, my relationship with men who I didn't trust. Yeah. And so I always had to be abrasive. Um, and then, of course, I started to do hard work as in take on these six-week challenges where I would train for six weeks and run a marathon, all while I'm uh, working with Kevin. And, and so as I'm doing all these like physical hard stuff that I've convinced myself that I'm not, I'm not a runner. I'm yeah. a weightlifting guy, so I'm not going to run. I'm like, you know what, dude? You're full of shit. You're going to run a marathon. Be a runner. Be a runner. Yeah. Be a surfer. Yeah. Be a rock climber. Learn MMA and jiu-jitsu. All scary things to me, man, because that's not my zone of genius. Yeah. And so as I'm doing that and, and doing the self-work, it took me like four or five years to really go through all the processing of the pain, the trauma, and, and figure out who I am and meet the highest level version of myself. Yeah. Who can, you can only meet the highest level of Xander in a state of suffering. Yeah. In a state of suffering. And so I suffered. When you've let everything else go, when you've let the ego go fully. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, most... And then I read stats like one out of every three people have been physically or emotionally abused. And then one out of every four people have been sexually abused, either raped or molested. So when you just look at a group of people, you're like, holy crap, like we are a broken society. If you're, if you're speaking to 100 people, there's 25 in there that, yeah. have, that have suffered. Yeah. At least 25. Yeah, who are seeing life through these filters of fear yeah. and anxiety and panic and their relationship is weird and they sabotage themselves and they, they, they have shame that they are unlovable. Like all these feelings that I had about myself, but you don't really, you couldn't put words to it. Like I and you put, also, I think the other thing is you also don't think about that as a man. Right, like you right. don't think you don't think that we're going to be the ones that are going to be the victims in any situation like that. And also, it's not okay for you to share that shit. 
like growing up. Right, social right? stigma, yeah. right? And so because of that, I'm like, look, I know 25% of men are, uh, of the men who need this are just not gonna go and do the therapy and yeah. do the self-work. But if I created a short, if I can time collapse five years into 75 hours, yeah, about three days, and we could do the deep work after we physically exhaust them, get them to know each other and help each other and connect. Because imagine 20 men come together who paid 12 grand a piece to do this 75 hour experience. I don't know you, you don't know me. Uh, all of a sudden, like, I'm gonna confess like my worst yeah. thing, that forget it. But if we put them through suffering, so a Navy SEAL puts them through water torture at the beach and we, we sleep deprive them and it's really, there's a science behind it. We suspend disbelief and we build a brotherhood yeah. within like the first 40 hours. And then we dive into the important part of the project, which is a six hour period, three hours on one day, three hours the next day, which is called the hunt and destroy. We hunt and destroy the toxic cognitions that they are carrying with them, uh, the things that are limiting their growth, their, their, their lack, the, the stuff that is impacting their, the depth of their relationships, uh, their connection with their kids and their friends, et cetera. And this is all journaling stuff. And we tell all the camera guys to go away. Yeah. It's never filmed or you know, no still pictures. And that's the project really is six hours, but it takes it's a lot of It's a lot hours. of prep work it's, to get yeah, to those crucial yeah, six hours. Yeah, yeah, a lot of trust yeah. has to be built. Like once you know that, okay, the guy next to my right and to my left is necessary for me not to drown in the Pacific Ocean, then you're gonna trust him when you're sitting at a desk at two in the morning and confessing the, the deepest, the deepest, scariest yeah. thing that you've just bottled up and suppressed and disassociated from. Yeah, I, I, I love that you're digging into that because I don't think a lot of people talk about that personally. You know, I have a real soft spot for this. You know, we've talked about it. My best friend committed suicide, and yeah. a lot of it was the shame and guilt that he brought up from you know being molested as a kid. He went in the Marines, then he suffered from PTSD, alcohol, alcoholism, depression, yeah. you know, all of that sort of stuff. But this is. One of the biggest issues in society, you know, this this problem is really created from a lot of that those subconscious fears and issues. That That's exactly it. Specifically, men have. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we know that men aren't most men. I'm not going to say men aren't, but most men aren't going to go and see. Like, I would have never right. if if you're like, hey, Beto, I know you've been molested. Go see a therapist. I'd be like, bro, I'm good. Yeah. Right. I'm not a whack job. Yeah. Like, I got side doored into a therapist <laughs> because I went for my anxiety for your, for your panic attack yeah. and then he was smart enough to go hey this guy's extra fucked up yeah right and then <laughs> right he's like this guy's they put extra sauce on this guy yeah. so we're going to work with him for six months and he had built rapport with me where i felt safe enough to confess that so if most men aren't going to do that what if i can create that thing and we did and now what we see is immediately their their physiology changes because that's the first thing you have control of is your body and your health yeah. and we force that upon them to change their physiology because we train them for eight weeks building up to the project, uh, what to eat, how to work out, et cetera, so they come in conditioned, right? So now their body changes, confidence grows. Like we talked about, yep. fitness is a gateway drug. And then all of a sudden, I teach them, during that time I also teach them business skills, how to market, how to sell, how to, how to lead their team, and how to outsource the stuff that's like the trivial, unnecessary stuff, and then focus on the critical things that are mandatory. So I teach them business, I, hey, teach them how to, you know, time block and batch process and take your wife on dates again and start dating again. And all of a sudden their relationship changes and their business improves and their fitness. And now they got their four F bombs in order, which is their faith, their family, their fitness, their finance. And that leads us to the fulfillment, the fifth F bomb, which is yeah. only a byproduct of the four. And they're like, oh my God, 75 hours changed my life. Yeah. And so we just found this weird wacky formula of 75 hours and five weird instructors, a Navy SEAL, an angry Marine, 
I was a former SWAT operator, um, <laughs> myself, and like a Buddhist monk type of guy who teaches you how to breathe, also the VP of my supplement company, Aaron. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's a great formula that works. Is that Aaron? Aaron. Also mixed martial artist. Mixed beat, martial artist. Beat the shit well. out yeah. of anybody. Yeah. All, then, beat the then, shit out of all of them. And then yeah. he'll pray over you. And then he'll pray over you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's amazing. But yeah. I love I love everything you guys are doing at the project. Thank you. But even beyond the project, I think one of the most interesting things that you've done, and I remember when you mentioned this a couple of years ago, um, is you're actually doing like a, well, you call it the Squire program, yeah. right? A Squire version of this. And yeah. I think this all originally started when you took Andrew, your son, mm -hmm. through like a rite of passage. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So tell me tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so years ago, when my wife was pregnant with Andrew, Andrew's now 15 years old, my son, my wife's uncle sent me a book entitled Raising a Modern Day Knight. Yeah. And the idea was to raise a man, a young man, who can be a protector and a provider, a lion and a lamb, uh, someone who can open doors, please and thank yous, etc. And I was like, well, shoot, I've never learned those skills. Yeah. Not a dig on my dad. He just was busy <clears throat> trying to put food on our on our plates and a roof over our head coming to America. And so as I'm reading the book, I'm like, well, holy crap, I need this information. Yeah. One of the things the book suggested is that historically, since the beginning of time, uh, when boys were you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, every tribe, every culture has done this. They rip away the boy from the house or from the mom and they put him through a rite of passage. Some, yeah. some cultures would take a knife, cut the boy's arm, get him to bleed, hand him the knife, and then send him into the forest as the sun's going down and says, you can come back out when the sun's out if you're alive, yeah. defend yourself, feed yourself, hydrate yourself. And when you come out, you have now won the right to sit at the table. Yeah. Not you're a man. You can now sit at the table with the men yeah. and learn how to hunt. How to, how, to, how to exercise patience, emotional discipline, all those things, please and thank yous, how to be a protector and a provider, a lion and a lamb. And those things aren't taught anymore, man. Yeah. This is why. This isn't taught in college? No. This isn't taught in elementary school? Once again, yeah. shit, they don't teach you in college, yeah. right? It's not taught. And so what happens when you have a 50% divorce rate and you see these young kids, these young boys looking up to gang members, yeah. Um, and going astray and confused with their with their identities. It's just a byproduct of a rite of passage hasn't happened. Why do we need a rite of passage? Simple. Young girls go through it organically when they sprout boobs and when they have their period, a yeah. menstrual cycle. That is a very physical, very visual thing that says you are now a woman and yeah. mom begins to mold them and mom knows how. Yeah. If dad's gone and nothing changed about me because it's yeah. not a, I had my period and I sprouted boobs. I hope you didn't. No, no, not yet, but I may have that change <laughs> done soon. Why not? Next, identify sometimes as a as a as a goat. Whatever, whatever yeah. you feel, man. Whatever you, know, you have feel. Have a bell installed and a few extra nipples. <laughs> you can milk me. Uh, anyways, man, I'm glad that this entertains you. This is going in the journal, man. So I bought this journal one day. One day I am going to do stand up. Yeah. I bought this journal where I'm writing. I'm writing my best bits in it. The only problem is I've yet to write anything in it. Um, but all that said, Maine, we got to write that one in the journal. Yeah, that one's cool. going in the journal, Maine. Uh, install nipples so you can milk me. What the <laughs> fuck? Don't even edit that out. So all this to say <laughs> that boys don't have that rite of passage. So we created the Squire program for that reason. Yeah. And dads and their sons get to do it together. And as I was telling you earlier, when I came down here, I was a little late for our, for our podcast here. A mom had reached out to me on Instagram 
actually the son had reached out to me first. Hey, I'm 15 years old. I want to do the Squire program. I don't have a dad in my life. Yeah. I'm like, dude, can I talk to your mom? Because I don't know how to help you, buddy. Yeah. Right? Like, I can't just say, come on over to the Squire program. Like, yeah. And so the Squire program is just a 14 hour experience where we put them through tough stuff. And basically, it's that rite of passage minus, you know, we don't cut them and send them into the forest, but it's men, the project instructors, leading these young boys into what it's going what being a young man is going to look like as you move forward in life yeah with their dads there and their dads are their mentors obviously but what happens if you're a single mom and you don't have uh, that male figure and so anyway he, the mom contacts me and turns out there's no uncle in the life in the picture there's no male figure i said you know what send him over to the project or to the uh, squire program and i will take a project graduate and team him up with a project graduate who will just play the role of a big brother, an yeah. uncle. And she was just ecstatic about it. And so, you know, if we do our job right with the Squire program, we will work our way out of a job where the project is concerned. We will never have the project. You'll never have that issue yeah. anymore. The project should not exist two decades from now <clears throat> if we do our job right with the Squire program. And if all dads and moms and men in society embrace that men need to be a bit violent, they need to be a bit savage, they need to be protectors, they need to be alpha, all while being lambs and lovers and kind and generous. Yeah. I love that, man. And that all started with the rite of passage with Andrew. That's you just it. wanted you just wanted to make sure that your son actually got what you didn't. Exactly. And yeah. we took him I took my son to a, a shoot house in Boise, Idaho, where now the SWAT operator who runs it, who ran it or owned it works with me. But the shoot house is basically where cops and FBI, CIA, all these special operators train on how to navigate through a home and kill bad guys without killing good guys. Yeah. And he let us kind of he led us through this program all day long. And then at the end of the day, we made a circle around Andrew, all the men. And I brought nine other men with me who I look up to and trust, yeah. dear friends of mine. And we made a circle around Andrew and we poured into him. We each kind of shared if, hey, Andrew, if I was 13 again, uh, this is the one piece of advice I wish I had. That's amazing. And grown men falling apart crying because it was such a meaningful thing. And someone said, you have to do this for other dads for other people. and other young boys. And so, you know, if, if it needs to be done and no one's doing it, it's on you to do it. All right. And so I did it. Game time. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so I, like, there's there's so much that you've done. There's so much that you've done. You've been successful yeah. in a fitness business. You've been successful in teaching other people how to do fitness businesses. You've launched a supplement company. You're doing the project. You've got the Squire program. You've got podcasts best-selling books. You've done so many different things yeah. and you continue to grow. You continue to overcome obstacles. Like, where where are you going? How would you define success in your life? Oh, the success in my life is easy. I, yeah. I'm going to die and there's going to be two really you'll, amazing... You're not going to die. You're, well, I think you might survive. Yeah. yeah. One day yeah. I will pass away. Yeah. Um, my energy will survive. Yeah. It absolutely will. Um, that's a whole different story. And if you follow... Um, Joseph Campbell and his re and his writings. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Hold on, real quickly, just thirty seconds. Yeah. Tell us your belief on that. I okay. just want to know what Bedros believes. All right. So Jesus was probably a solid dude. Yes. Uh, I personally don't believe, and Joseph Campbell backs this up, that he was necessarily the son of God. Yeah. Because Christ all religion, Christianity included, is a metaphor. In other words, when Jesus died and came back as the Holy Spirit. The idea is that you were supposed to die as to your human animal and come back as a human being. 
someone connected to consciousness, yeah. not reactive and not tempted by your instincts and impulses, but someone who can see the world through consciousness. True consciousness. Yeah, it's through yeah. true consciousness. And so we are human animals and we are supposed to die as human animals. Like, like your purpose on this planet is to kill your human animal and become a human being. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, we're all human <laughs> beings. Bad news. You're not. Yeah. Most people are not. Most people are just like human cattle and they're just chained onto a track where they're doing this thing that someone told them, go to the college, go get a good job and do this and they regret life and they have, they're passive aggressive and they know they're, they're, they can feel the gnawing of greatness inside them but they don't want to explore it and they sit in church and they're like, I don't know if that's true but if I'm going to believe it because what if hell and what if heaven and but what They if, almost believe out of fear. Yeah, what yeah. if hell or heaven was here and what if, yeah. just what if, that Jesus was a metaphor. Yeah. A real human, but it was a metaphor that we actually took literally as though he died for our sins. When we are supposed to die, as in for, kill our human animal our, yeah. and become consciousness, human beings. What if? And so that's what Joseph Campbell in his book, The Power of Myth, talks about. Love that. Yeah. So sidetrack back, success defined. Oh, so I will, <laughs> I, I, will, I will die and become worm food. My energy will go up into the Brahman, the universal consciousness, yeah. and uh, hopefully leave two amazing human beings behind, Andrew and Chloe, who started their personal development at a very, very young age, and they will make a far greater impact on this planet than I did. Like, yeah. that's success. This, the money just gives us freedom and access and opportunities and yeah. connections and blah, blah, blah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. What do you, what do you think, well, you know, you only spent 32 days in college, but what do you think, what, what do you think is the, you know, maybe, maybe the one or two things that you think is the biggest thing you wish they taught in school or in college? Yeah. The biggest thing I wish they taught in school was to communicate and maintain emotional discipline. Yeah. And here's why. When we come out of the womb, we cry and we get milk we soil our diapers and we cry and scream and we get changed. Yeah. We're uncomfortable and have a tummy ache, we cry and scream and you know, mommy or daddy rubs our belly or whatever, right? And so we're used to being emotionally reactive, knowing that when I have an outburst, hands come I, in and save yeah, me. Yeah, I get something. I yeah. get something. Sadly, <clears throat> grown ass men and women still emotionally react and cry and then look around for the hands to come in and save them. Yeah. And there are people who feel this, some righteous need to go and save people like that. Yeah. What if you can actually be your own savior? What if you can, again, be emotionally disciplined yeah. and be responsible instead of reactive? Um, what a great concept. And what if you can communicate? And here's the other thing, the, the you know, kids, we're born as little kids and little babies and then we become kids, we're curious and we communicate and all of a sudden, shh, don't talk, be quiet, don't say that, you're gonna hurt their feelings. So our parents screw us up. One, they tend to our emotional needs in a yeah. way where they don't then eventually stop and go, hey, now you gotta tend to your own emotional needs, Yeah. right? They keep babying us and depending on the culture that you come from, if you come from a culture like mine, Armenian, then you are forever treated like a child, Yeah. you know, until you can break away from it. Um, which isn't great because then you get married and you're like, why aren't you treating me, me like my mom did? Because yeah. she's not your fucking mom. She's your wife, man, right? And so anyhow, um, then you look at the communication piece. We are naturally 
designed to be great communicators, but we are shushed and we're told to be quiet, don't hurt their feelings, watch out, don't say that, that's rude, that's da-da-da. And so then, we can't communicate. So now we are passive aggressive as adults. We just assume yeah. that you can read my mind. And then we get frustrated when you can't. And then finally, we're so pissed off, we yell at you and Turns scream. into an outburst rather than just being forward and honest to begin What with. if we can just teach emotional discipline and communication? If we could do that, I doubt that there would be wars. All wars are started because you have emotionally poorly disciplined leaders who have access to military. Yeah. And they refuse to communicate. <laughs> and so they're like, you know what? I'm gonna invade, motherfucker. This is easier. Yeah. This is easier yeah. than just having a conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's just go kill some people. And isn't it yeah. true in real life? Like, two dudes in a bar, you might shoulder bump me by accident. You know, I could be like, hey, excuse me, uh, I'm sorry, and <laughs> yeah. try and communicate. Or I could just haul off and sock you. It yeah. is easier to haul off and sock you. Yeah. Consciousness dictates that I would actually be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You just bumped me. I hope I didn't hurt you. And then you would say, no, 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 it was an accident, my fault. And then we'd shake hands and part ways. Who knows, we might even become friends. Might become buddies, what somebody buys somebody a drink. What do like, you know? Yeah. You know, now we're belling up to the bar, we're making it a thing every Thursday night, but instead people would rather resort to being assholes. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. I think, you know, there's so many, there's so many things that we could learn in school, but I think communication is one of the biggest things. And it, it affects not just business, yeah. but like you mentioned, it affects yeah. your personal life. It affects, you know, your ability to raise kids. It affects everything, that yeah. communication capability. And anyone that says, well, they do teach that in school, uh, let me tell you what, they don't. Because real <clears> communication <throat> is tell, show, do. Because I like to leave people with like a little nugget here, right? Tell, show, do. If I'm going to communicate with you, like I'm going to tell you exactly what's on my mind. And I'm going to show you. If I'm like, hey, Xander, I, I, I need you to do it this way because doing it that way uh, impacts our business in a negative way. I need you to do it this way specifically because this is how I envisioned it. This is how I have it in the, uh, the, the company's manual. Da, da, da. Like I'm going to communicate it, tell you. I'm going to show you how I want it done so that there's no guesswork on so your part. So there's a definition of mm -hmm. what a good job is. And then I'm going to watch you do it. Tell, show, do, so I can correct you. Not once am I gonna be worried about if I hurt your feelings or not. Yeah. Because if I'm worried about hurting your feelings or what if Xander thinks I'm a control freak or what if he thinks I'm just a jerk, then I'm not gonna tell, show, do. I'm just gonna expect you to do it. And when you don't, I'm gonna be frustrated with you, then turn passive aggressive, then go bananas. And there we go again. And when you can also see why being able to communicate like this, forward and honestly, requires both parties to be emotionally intelligent. Bingo. Right? Like, one of my, me and Maddie, my wife, always talk about this, but, like, we're incredibly forward with each other. Like, we call it radical honesty. Like, we just tell every, like, each other absolutely everything. And when, like, our audience says, like, what's your guy's secret? And we say, like, well, we literally tell each other everything. And they go, oh, so I just need to do that with my partner. And I go, no, don't do that with your partner. Unless you can like emotionally handle right. like what's gonna come out right. because there's gonna be a lot of shit that you can't handle. Yeah. Right. So they do kind of go perfectly together. They do. They do. And uh, who knows? Maybe one day in college they will teach that, but I doubt it. Yeah, we'll get there one day. Um, so the last question that I really have for you is that you know I could ask you a lot of different things around what makes Bedro successful. Your morning routine. Your you know what's the one tip or whatever. I, I want to know is there something weird that you do or different that you do that most people don't that you think has been pivotal to your success? Yeah. And I think Craig, our, our friend, Craig Ballantyne discovered this and he blurted it out at a Genius Network event that he and I were at. <laughs> he said, hey, Joe Polish, you know what? The thing about Bedros, he just executes on everything. I just do. Yeah. I just do. It may not be done right. And it might not even be the right thing. It may not even be the right thing. Yes. 
but I just do. I execute like a motherfucker. And here's, here's what I realize. If it is the right thing, then I'm getting it done. If it's not the right thing, I'm soon going to find out. You're going to learn yeah. real fast. Becomes a learning lesson. Probably cost me 30000 to half a million because that's I've screwed up in that range. This is, this is your range of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so everybody out there, if you're feeling like, oh, you know, like I made a $20 mistake... 30,000 30, to 500,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so now obviously it's all relative, right, to the revenue that you make. So I'm not saying go make yeah. a half a million dollar mistake if you make 50,000 a year. Having said that, yeah. I execute like no one's business. And if there was a second thing I did, it would be I always look for the who and not the how. Yeah. I don't ever try and figure out how to launch a supplement company. I find who can be my VP and do this for me. And as I kept looking for the who's, I plug the right person in, in the right seat, and then share my vision with them. I want a supplement company that's the highest quality ever, no artificial sweeteners, no hormones, no blah, 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 and it's gonna have these SKUs. And then Aaron went and executed, and in two years, we built a $12 million company. Um, those two things probably have saved me from myself, because yeah. if I just try to do it all myself, I'd have no time for my family or my health. We wouldn't be here being able to chat. No, and hang no, out. I'd be too busy mixing up supplements up there or whatever yeah. it is that, that Aaron does. Yeah. And then the other part of this equation is that if I just try and figure it all out, as in I'm going to make sure I get it right before I execute, dude, I might spend like an extra three months trying to figure out what the right path is, all while my competition is already done. Already that done. Path. So yeah. I execute with the best guesswork that I can have. And then again, most of the time it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You backtrack and you go back. Like the world is forgiving. It's okay. It's just money. Yeah. You'll make more of it. I think, I think that's, I, I want to end on that note that like the world is forgiving. You can make more money. You can always come back. Like just go do the damn thing. It's not permanent. Right. That's yeah. beautiful, man. Uh, Bedros, this has been phenomenal. Uh, where can everybody learn more about you and, and hear yeah. more about Bedros, the project? Yeah, well, the best place to learn more about me is uh, the Instagrams. I'm very fascinated by Instagram, yep. so I spend a lot, when I say a lot of time, a whopping 40 minutes a day on Instagram. So you can follow me at Bedros Koulian. Beautiful. Thank you, man. This has been Thanks, stellar, man. brother. Appreciate it. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks.